Hey, this is Pastor Jesse of City Lights Church, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you and confirms the fact that the kingdom of God is a present reality in our lives that you get to live out. You get to be God's ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. That's exciting news. We also hope that our messages challenge your identity to help you understand who you really are in Christ. I hope that you're blessed by this message today. God is always, he's always ascending God. He's always keeping us moving. Um, Actually, it really ties into this morning's message. Uh, We have been going through um, this journey the last couple of months. We looked at the last few weeks, the last week of Christ. Could you take me, tweak me just a little bit? I don't know if you can hear that. Is anybody else hearing that whistle back in my ear or or my ear is bad this morning? Because everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy, so... It's just the front row who hears that. Um, but we, we've been looking at the life of Christ. We looked at the, some of the, the ways he's transformed people. And then we looked at those moments between the cross, between the resurrection and between today, which is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit into the world and into the lives of every believer. Say every believer. You know what that means? Every believer, just in, in case you were curious, every believer is every believer. And so the Holy Spirit, on the day of Pentecost, came and he dwelt in mankind. Very different than all of history where the Holy Spirit would come and rest on or speak to and then move, right? This is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit happened on the day of Pentecost. And we live out of that place. And we're going to be looking at this a little bit today. And then next week we're going to be starting a new series on the church. Because the Holy Spirit came and he empowered the church, right? So that's, that's what we're going to be looking at a little bit. In case you haven't been here, that's where we are as a church. Let me, let me ask you a question. How many of you guys uh, in high school uh, had to learn a different language? Just curious. Put your hand up. Right, Spanish, some French, maybe one or two other things. I don't know. Um, how many of you guys still speak that language that you learned in high school? Just curious. Okay, good job for you. Like I learned Spanish, and it was terrible. Um, how many? Just curious. How many people in here are bilingual? Have at least one other language that you speak fluently, or like you go to that country and you can get by. So English. I'm assuming because you're here, and something else, right? How many speak more than two? Anybody? One person. Okay, two people. All right, so just a few of you speak more than two languages. There are a lot more than two languages around the earth, isn't there? Like, I'm not not versed in this kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not a linguist, isn't that the term? Like, I don't know a bunch of languages, but there's a lot, right? And English is a part of what we express here on the earth, uh, or here, here, me. I only know English, and sometimes I can barely figure that out. Um, when we speak a language fluently, we expect to be able to communicate clearly and to work together, right? And sometimes, even with one language, it seems like we humans just can't get it right. Like, you ever go to a drive through and you're like, are we even communicating in the same language. What is happening right now? My wife gets the same thing every time, and I got to pick it up for her at Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, I get to the window. What would you like? I would like a large sweetened iced tea, liquid sugar, no lemon. That always backfires. It's a simple direction. Large sweetened iced tea, liquid sugar, 
None of that granule stuff floating in the bottom. No lemon. She doesn't like the lemon taste, right? That's your, that's your order. I say the same thing every time. And usually they'll throw in extra lemons. Like, and then the one time I said no lemon, they're like, we never put lemon in unless you ask. I'm like, that is a lie. You always put lemons in. <laughs> and so the other week, though, I went through and I said, yeah, large sweetened iced tea, liquid sugar, no lemon. She goes, did you say a ham, egg, and cheese on an English muffin? And I literally just, no. I literally said it just like that. And I'm like, I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but no, not at all. Like, how are we missing this thing? And then I was on the phone with Jared the other day, our, uh, our pastor, my pastor who started the church, and he goes through the Tim Hortons drive-thru, and he orders the same thing. I know his order, and he ordered it, and they're like, and he hates cheese. And they're like, did you say cheese? He's like, no, no cheese. And they're just like, what kind of bread? I'm like, you, you already said the pretzel bagel. Like, you already said this twice. Sometimes we're speaking the same language, and it doesn't feel like we're speaking the same language. And there's division, and then you, you leave, and you have the wrong sandwich, you have the wrong thing. Like, communication is a key to human existence, right? Like, we are, we are meant to be able to communicate well with each other and go after purpose and common vision. And God created us speaking language with each other, speaking and moving. In the garden, he formed us, and he gave us a purpose to go be fruitful and multiply, to produce ourselves all over the globe. And what happens Well, sin enters the picture. And instead of going about his purposes, man becomes something that's moving out of our own purposes. We will become like gods. We will know better than God. We will do our own thing, right? We begin to move in that direction and it gets chaotic. Would you go to your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11? We're going to look here this morning. You're like, this is Pentecost Sunday. Why are we looking in Genesis? Uh, I want you to see the bigger picture here. I just get really excited about this stuff, and uh, I've never preached this message before. Jared called me this week. He's like, hey, what are you preaching on Sunday? I told him the, the whole story of my message. He said, that's literally exactly what I'm preaching on this Sunday. So that's kind of cool, too. God just like, the Holy Spirit's giving us one thing to, to look at today. Um, Genesis chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, the one in the pew in front of you is yours to keep. You can have that. Uh, looking at verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, I don't know, and settled there. Now let's stop for a second. If you were reading the Bible for your, the first time, if this is your first exposure to this, and you started in Genesis 1, and now you're at Genesis 11, you would get to this spot and think, wow, this is really awesome. This is really cool. Because in the garden, man was unified together and whole. They're in this great land, right? And then they're sent out of the garden and it's chaos, right? You guys can agree with me. I, I like a little response once in a while. Make sure that the ears are still working in this place. Sometimes they get turned off. Make sure to turn back on right now. Like, they're all working together, and like, chaos happens, and death and destruction happens. And then we get to Genesis chapter 11. After the flood, we're looking at this story. Like, the flood just happened, and like, hey, all the earth has people. They're speaking the same language, and they're moving to a place and settling in there. It's a new Eden, right? 
They're back in the garden again, back to a place that feels like home. The problem is God never said go back to a place that feels like home. God never said settle in as one people. He said go, be fruitful, multiply. And then when man sinned, he's like get out of the garden, move. Still your own mission, still get out, but you're not allowed to be here. You can't be here anymore, right? You guys guys with me? They weren't created to huddle together to, to make themselves a new Eden. They, they had been disobedient to God. Because of disobedience, God closed that off. This is not the happily ever after. If you're reading this for the first time, you might think that's what this is, but it's not at all. Let's read continuing on verse 3. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bit, bitumen for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we disperse over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. This is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down. And there confused their language, so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. There's a couple things that happen here that I want to point out. It says that they were building for themselves a city and a tower. They were moving to one spot for themselves. God created us not for ourselves and for our own glory, but for His glory, right? And so they stopped doing that, and God sees that they're building themselves a place to keep themselves protected, to make themselves feel at home, and they reject the purposes of God for mankind. It says that they were using mud bricks instead of stone. They didn't have any stone to build anything with. So what they do is they begin to create mud bricks. And they're like, hey, let's fashion some mud bricks to build a tower to heaven. Get all the mud we can, let it dry out in the sun, and we're going to go up to the heavens, right? And I was looking at this and studying this this last week. There's a few different reasons that theologians and historians think that they were doing this. One, what does the story come right after in the Genesis account? I already said it earlier, so who are my A students in this class here? What? The flood. The flood. One thought is, they're like, hey, this is in response to the flood that happened not too long ago. Maybe a couple generations or or longer. I don't know. If we can build a mud tower really, really high, we can escape the flood water so we'll be safe. That's their thinking, possibly. Mud tower, really high. Now, how how does mud work in water? I'm not great at construction, but I'm pretty sure this is a bad idea. And so here's mankind thinking, we can ascend. We can beat any kind of wrath of God on the earth. So let's huddle back together. Let's keep ourselves safe and be our own gods and glorify ourselves by building a mud tower to escape his possible wrath. He's already promised he wouldn't do it that way again just so you know. But they miss that point and they build themselves a tower for their own glory, for their own 
safety, right? There's also the thought because of other gods and different religions and different nations around that they saw gods as something on top of a pole. They would often see these images of the, the idols on top of a tower. So if the gods are on top of the pool, if the gods sit in the heavens, if we make ourselves up that high, we will be our own gods. We will be a nation, a group of unified people coming together, building a new Eden, escaping God's wrath, escaping God's plan for us, and becoming, in our sense, our own gods. This goes right back to the garden, doesn't it? We can make ourselves as good as him. We can do this thing by ourselves. And God's like, hey, look, they've got a unification happening here, and nothing's going to stop them. I'm going to mess up their plans. Let us, that's God speaking to the person of the Trinity, let us go and mess them up. So he creates babble, nonsense. They begin to babble with each other, and they disperse, and they move, and they cover the earth. Mankind covers the earth. Make sense? This is where, we at, where we're at. The story that follows is we see that out of this Babel is the same understanding of Babylon, the same words. It's this world, this, this society against God, against him. It's a place of idolatry. It's a place of wickedness. And we see Babylon as a constant theme in the Old Testament. It's a constant people that come against the movement of God. And, and there's this people of God versus the people of Babylon all the time. And God's always called us to be separate from a move of confusion, a move of idolatry. He's always called us to be his sons and daughters under his lordship, under his trust, under his domain. Does that make sense? He's always put us in that position. And so often we go right back into a place of captivity to Babylon. What we see, though, so if we look at the Genesis account, the next thing in chapter 11, it begins to give the lineage that leads up to Abram, to Abraham. And out of Abraham comes a nation, a people of God's promise, right? God says, this is my mark. This is my people. This is how I'm going to move. This is how I'm going to make my glory known. Everybody else is chaos. Everywhere else is Babel. But I'm going to pick these people to highlight my goodness, my sovereignty, my rule, and my reign. I'm picking these people. Make sense? And so God begins to move through Israel. And then now we fast forward a couple thousand years. We'll go to Acts chapter 2. We see that through that line, through the promise of Abram, down we see the coming of the Messiah. We see the coming of the Redeemer. We see the coming of Christ into the earth who takes on the sins, the original sins of the world on himself, dies in our place, and dies perfectly, sinless, spotless, so that you and I don't have to. And he makes disciples, and he gives us a commission. Go and make disciples. Am I going too fast? Are you guys hanging on for the ride? Are you okay? Go and make disciples, but hold on. I'm sending you someone greater than me with you, the Holy Spirit. And he will empower you. He will give you everything you need. So what do they do? They hold on and they wait. Jesus has ascended, and they're holding on and they're waiting. And this comes the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. I'm, I'm amped up this morning, just so you know. When the day of Pentecost arrived, arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared on them to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound of the multitude came together, they came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that, they, that we hear each of us in his own native language, Perithians and Medes and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and, and Asia, Phygeria, and Pamphylia. I'm messing up some of these words, by the way. Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to the Cyrene. And visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking, they were filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the others, the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ears to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what has been uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Say all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on the male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my Spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above. And signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness. And the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes. The great and magnificent day. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then what happens after this, this statement? There's confusion. There's people like, hey, they're speaking our own languages, talking about the glory of God. I don't understand what's happening. These men who don't know how to speak my language are speaking my language, and they're talking about God and His goodness. What is happening? And some who are like just standing around saying, I don't know what language they're speaking. They've got to be drunk. And Peter's like, no, we're, not, we're not drunk, guys. It's too early for that. It's, it's not 5 o'clock somewhere. It's right now early in the morning and nobody's drunk. This is the Holy Spirit. And he says, hey, remember that prophetic word that was given in the midst of the chaos after Babylon, after Babel happened? My Bible keeps falling here. Put it there. Remember all that chaos? In the midst of all that, the prophet said in the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit on everyone. Everyone. This is a new concept. This is, this is not in their normal vocabulary. God would come, like I said, and sit on some here, there, a little bit of spirit, a little bit of spirit, do something, do something, that's it. He says, in the last days, so when? Just curious. When, when's God doing this thing? Well, in, in the last days. People always ask me all the time, I, I get people say, oh, I'm, a last day, I'm an end times person. So am I. After Pentecost, spirit came, that's last days to me. I mean, I don't think there's a second last, last days. Like, these are the new last, last days. The, the ending of the last, last days. Like, this is the, the ending of the book. Like, the story ended, and then there's another chapter, a secret chapter. This is not a secret chapter. We're in the last days, okay? However long that is, I don't know. I won't pretend to tell you that, okay? So, we're in the last days, in case you were wondering. In the last days, all flesh. And Peter says, hey, here's what's happening. This is that moment, right? 
And, I, and we preached on a thing called This Is That a while ago. Look that up if, on our podcast if you're confused a little bit about this. But he says, this is that moment. And here, let me tell you the story of Jesus. So he begins to walk into the story of Jesus and how Christ came and suffered and died on our behalf, right? He died for us in our place. And I want to pick back up here in verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone from the Lord, whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Who is the promise for, just in case you're curious? All of us. For all who are far off, anyone who the Lord calls to himself, these promises are for us. In case we're confused, who are the promises for? They are for us. To anyone who the Lord calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his words were baptized. And there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. Let, I mean, just think of that for a second. 3,000. We go from a group of 11 disciples and probably a, a good bit more in that upper room, some other followers of Christ, to 3,000 at one location, hearing people speaking gibberish, but also hearing their own languages out of people who shouldn't speak their own languages telling them the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they are cut to the heart, right? And they're like, what do we do? And 3,000 said, what do we do? These promises, let me say this, are not just for Peter and, and those 11 and those people in the upper room. This is for all of us who are far off. The rest of this book is about how we continue to go out and see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you guys with me this morning? See, God has always been about reconciling all things. We started with a mission from God, with a pure heart, and sin entered and corrupted us. And then we went after building a place for ourselves, a name for ourselves, our own sense of safety, and God said, no, that's not how it works. I'm going to stop it. Confuse you all. But he's a God of promise. That original plan for mankind to glorify him and to make his name known and to hide in his safe place, to have a paradise that we could be sons and daughters is still his promise for us. And so God sends his son to die in our place, to remove the sin nature, to give us a new heart, to, to die in Christ, to be resurrected, to be raised with him, right? Are you guys with me this morning? He's given us that new man. We are now in the, in, under the new Adam, Jesus Christ. We are in his line, in his heritage. And so he's given us the Holy Spirit now to unify us. And the first thing he does is says, hey, remember when I made things babble? I'm going to give you a new babble that brings unity. I'm going to bring, give you a new tongue that brings you together. I, I'm going to give you words to speak that some people won't understand and they'll think you're drunk, but other people will understand and my spirit will understand. That I'm giving you a sense of we're uni, un, unified 
in this new body. And then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to put you on a new mission to go, therefore, make disciples, cover the earth with my glory, cover the earth with my namesake. We can't make this about hiding in our safe church buildings, keeping our safe little languages together, making this about us somehow edifying ourselves before the world. This has always got to be about going, therefore, making his name great and forgetting about safety. Forgetting about building a place for ourselves. I'm thankful for buildings that we get to come together and worship in. And and I'm thankful that we're going to be doing some remodeling here. But it's never been about the mud that we can put together and build a safe place for ourselves because his power, his name, is greater than anything we can scratch together. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to move and bring his promises back together to be that new man that he originally created us to be. Are you guys with me this morning? I'm amped up right now. God has undone the division of language. He has given us the gift of tongues. It says tongues of fire appeared on them. This was a a marker. If you're like, why fire? What does that even mean? Like when God would show up to his people, to his chosen people, when his presence was there, remember this in the wilderness, what did it look like? A pillar of fire hovering above them. And then during the day, a pillar of smoke, right? God was saying, hey guys, I'm here with you. I'm showing you that I'm doing something. I haven't forsaken you. I haven't left you. Even though I've been ascended for a while, my spirit's here and my presence is here. And I'm giving you a new day. I'm giving you a new thing. What we need is to stop building our safe havens from flood relief. And we, what we need to start doing is listening to the move of the Holy Spirit, resting in His presence, asking Him to indwell us, empower us, and then send us out on mission. If you've placed faith in Christ, you only did that through the work of the Spirit. Scripture tells us that we only come to Him through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. The Holy Spirit... If, if you call Jesus your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit, right? But what we need to do is say, Holy Spirit, reveal what you're doing and give me the power, right? What we need to do is say, Father, lead me, guide me, put a fresh outworking, a fresh inpouring in so that I'm aware of the mission that you've called me to, not aware of the mission that I want to do because I'm Western, because this is my hometown and I've got to fulfill the American dream. I'm not saying God's against any of those things. What I'm saying is God is against us building our own safe and calling ourselves God. Our own safe place. It makes sense. You guys guys are okay this morning. I might have just offended a few people. You can go build your own Babylon if you want, but I'm not doing it. And I I would encourage you that God's not asked you to build a Babylon. He's asked you to go after his kingdom. At City Lights, I think, I think I need to make a few clarifying statements. We do not teach at City Lights that if you don't have the gift of tongues, that you have not received the Holy Spirit. We don't hold to it's the initial sign of the believer. We believe that it is a sign of the believer. It is one of the many gifts that God has made available today for his body. And so what, is, what does Paul tell us to do with gifts? Just curious. Anybody know? Desire them. Desire gifts. It's kind of interesting because when we first moved here, we were kind of ridiculed for being, oh, those are Pentecostal charismatic guys. Well, today is Pentecost Sunday, and 
I think it's kind of cool. Like the Lord's really showing up and, and speaking to us. And so what happened was people were really kind of, some pastors in this region were really kind of scared of us. But I've seen something happen, some things happen in the last decade where God's built relationships and friendships and he's revealed himself and his heart and his nature and his character. And, and I've literally had a, a pastor who grew up cessationist literally say to me the other week, he's like, Jesse, I believe in the gift of tongues because you do, and I know you, and, so, and I know it's not proven wrong in Scripture. I know that the gifts of tongues are available. Even though my whole background says that they're not for today, I understand that it is. I've had that happen with multiple pastors in the last year in this city. Not charismatic background at all. We have guys like John Piper who are a really big name in the Reformed community, the Calvinist community. And I, there's this great video of John Piper talking about, he's like, I know the gift of tongues is real. It hasn't happened to me yet, but I'm constantly asking, Dad, Dad, hey, my, my brothers and sisters have it. Can I have it too? We have guys like Matt Chandler leading with thoughtful, deep, articulate gospel presentations who say we need more of the power of the Holy Spirit to move us into the mysterious that we don't fully understand because that's how he transforms lives. See, I, I'm, I'm convinced that there's a global reawakening happening to the gifts of the Spirit. And it's not for the sake of making our own names great. It's for making His name great. It's for the sake of bringing unity and moving us on mission. Moving us together on purpose again. We're not building something made out of mud. We're building something eternal that He is the builder of. He's the architect behind it. I love that we see that in, in Genesis chapter 11, we have this moving away from God, moving to a place of confusion, and then yet out of that comes a body of people for promise called Israel. And here in Acts chapter 2, we see God has brought us back in His Son. He's given us the language of unity, and then He's given us a body of movement of promise called his church. Do you guys see how grand he is? How big his promises are that have spanned decades and generation after generation. He's like, I still know and remember what I've, I've promised. I still know what I created you for. Worship team, would you come forward? See, Pentecost, the gifts of the Spirit, the move of his Spirit, these should be reminders of his promise of the church. The church is God's chosen instrument to fulfill his plans on the earth. I can't tell you how many times I have heard people say, well, I love God, but I don't like church or I don't like organized religion. Okay, I get the organized religion thing, but the church is meant to be a unified moving together body that's his chosen way to represent himself. So you cannot be against, or for God and against his plan. That doesn't make any sense, does it? You can't be submitted to the lordship of Christ and then reject his plan for mankind and, or reject his plan for revealing himself. You can't do that. Let, let me say this. For some reason, our culture has, like, because of sinful people, We've said we don't like anything organized. 
or structured or, or governed or ran well, right? And Jesus calls us his body, right? I bet you like a structured, ran well body, don't you? You don't like your own body to be in chaos. So why would we want God's body to be in chaos and unstructured or ungovernmented? Does that make sense? You cannot say, I follow Jesus and I follow God and I love him, submit to him, and reject the church. You cannot do it. Let's just sit in for a second. We are called to be a people unified together, going after the Holy Spirit's work, changing the world, moving out from our safety walls, moving out from our safe structures and our, and our organizations and our safe relationships. We're meant to go out to the dark places, to be the light of the earth everywhere. Does it make sense, people? We're meant to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. I challenge you today to go after an outpouring and a demonstration of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. Say, Father, you've promised these are those days. So, Father, I ask that you would give prophecy, that you would give visions, that you would give dreams, that you would give the gift of helps, that you would give the gift of administration, you would give the gift of compassion, you would give the gift of pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, that you would send us out like apostles, that you would work in us. Does it make sense? I challenge you today to go after a fresh outpouring. I challenge you to see that God has called us to one unified body without chaos, without confusion. He's brought us back into speak one language, and that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. I challenge you to move as one, to stay together in community. My cry this morning is that you would place a high value on church, the church, as God's expression to the earth this summer. I can't tell you statistically how the church just tanks in the summer. Not just this church, the church. Because we're all like, oh, the sun's shining. I'm going to go lay my blanket on the beach and I'm going to forget about my church community for the next three months. And so what we do is we build these safe, beautiful places for ourselves. I'm not saying don't take your vacation. Take your vacation. Go have that week. But then celebrate that week and then realize how much you need the church and how much the church needs you and come back and be a part of the church. Makes sense. Guys, you might feel condemned right now. I apologize for that. But under Christ, there's no condemnation, only conviction. And I'm okay with you being convicted. God has called us to be unified. So don't reject the church this summer. In fact, embrace the church and then let's go out as the church. The treasure hunt night is a perfect example of that. Our community groups are a perfect example of that. But Martin's ride across the country is another great example of that. Because when he finishes his ride of evangelism, across the country. He's coming right back into the community. It makes sense? So this week, go do your ride of evangelism. Go do your ride empowered by the Holy Spirit, knowing that those promises are for you and for your children and their children and the next generation until he returns. He has not stopped fulfilling his promises. I'm preaching to myself just as much as you today. Would you stand with me? Today we're going to do two things on this Pentecost Sunday, and we will continue to do this and be motivated by the same thing every week. We're going to have our prayer team line up over there on the side. Those who are a part of that, go ahead and make your way over along the cafe. But I want to encourage you as we worship, we're always going to pray for the sick. So if you're sick, if you have needs for healing in your body, we trust God that he's a good God who just does that. And so go over there and be prayed for if you have an ailment, something that needs sick, 
The Bible tells us to go to the elders and leaders of the church. It says pray for one another. So we're going to do that. But this morning also, if you're like, Holy Spirit, I need a fresh outpouring. I need reawaken to your work in my life. I need to awaken for the first time to your work in my life. We see that leaders of the church pray for that as well. They impart and they trust God to move the Spirit. And so please go get prayer as we worship together for a fresh outpouring. God is doing new things, new wineskin. How many of you guys were here a few, like two years ago when I felt a word about God doing a new wineskin in this church? Some of you. That has not looked like the way I thought it would look. But rarely does his prophecies look the way we think they'll look. This morning I'm reading this about the gift of tongues and how they look. And they're like, hey, this is some new wine that they're drinking. And it's absolutely true. I believe that in the last month I had three different people give me that word again saying, hey, this is it. This is, this is, it's looking differently than you thought it would look. And now here it is. It's coming again. And I'm really convinced that the Lord is fulfilling fully bringing us into a new wineskin so that we can overflow with a new wine in this city. Anybody else agree with me with that? Anybody else willing to prophesy that into existence and just go after what God's doing? I encourage you, let's ask the Lord for new wine in our hearts, in our minds, on our tongues to boldly declare. I love that it said, but Peter. So when faced with accusation, hey, they're drunk, but Peter stepped up and said, nah, here's what it is. We need some but Peters in this room. The city of Scranton needs some but Peters. Father, we just come to you right now. We just say, give us a new move. Give us a new awakening to your presence. Father, we th- we're thankful that you are a God of promise and that on the day of Pentecost, you've poured out your spirit for all generations, for all people, regardless of a race or social class or, or what sex they are. You've, you've, you've said, I'm pouring out my spirit on all people to give them one purpose, and that's only your purpose. So, Father, we just surrender ourselves right now to your purposes in this city, in this church, in our homes, and we ask that you would, Holy Spirit, come and fill us again. If you need prayer, like for any of those things I said, sickness or a fresh outpouring, I encourage you right now, go over and get prayer. Let's worship together, church.